Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. We look forward to talking to you. Our phone lines will be open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you want to talk about how planting's going or if you have an agronomic question, there's a lot of strange things happening out there this year and weather's been a little wacky. If you've got some questions about how things are going and how you need to adjust, we would love to help. Also, our email address, radio at agphd.com, is always available. We've got a number of questions in that we'll dive into here in just a minute. All right. So I'm Brian Hefty, joined, as always, by my brother, Darren. And before we get into the Ag PhD mailbag, i got to tell you a quick story. And Darren's heard this a few times, but uh, frost damage. Getting a lot of calls about frost damage here in the Dakotas and Minnesota. A lot of people have lost their wheat crop. Uh, there is a lot of corn that's damaged. Some soybeans are dead. So I, I, I just wanted to talk about one thing in particular because many agronomists have talked to me and said, boy, the damage is a lot worse where there's more residue. <laughs> so then I get to tell one of my favorite stories of all time. So this is back in 1987. That's 34 years ago. Anyway, I was a freshman in college, and I decided I was going to go skydiving. So I went skydiving, and it was fun. And I get, I'm get i down on the ground, and my, my friend was going next, and I'm standing there talking to this instructor for the skydiving. And my friend is just, like, hanging up in midair. And, you know, it's a few minutes have gone by. And I'm like, um, what's going on? Why is he hanging up, like, I don't know, a 1,000 feet above the ground? And he goes, oh, Look at where he's at. He got above that plowed field. See that? Okay, here, let me let me talk to him on the radio quick because he had headphones on, uh, the, my friend. And he goes, hey, uh, just turn yourself so you get over the pasture. As soon as you get over the pasture, came right down. The moral of the story is this. Any plowed ground, any ground that's black or whatever color your soil is, um, it is going to be radiating a lot more heat than when it is covered with residue or like pasture ground, for example. So it was just a few years later, we had a late May frost on our farm and all our corn got really dinged up where we were no-tilling and around any of the end rows. And that's when I thought back to my skydiving story and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I know what the deal is here. I know why it's so bad in all our no-till stuff and around the end rows, you know, next to the grass. But out in our conventional till fields, perfectly fine. We had no frost damage whatsoever. So anyway, it's just, it's one of the things when you are no-tilling that you have to keep in mind, you have a little more risk for that late spring frost. And in some cases, it can be very, uh, very defined, that line, like it was for us on our farm that first time, I mean, that I saw this on a big way in a big way after I'd gone skydiving like 30 years ago was a few springs after that when we had this late frost but anyway the point is if you have frost damage today we'd really encourage you uh, yes you're gonna obviously notice some differences where there is more residue and less but check across your field and or fields and see if you've got just cosmetic damage or if it's damage enough where, hey, the growing point's in pretty rough shape and it's probably not going to make it. As always, we'd encourage you to talk to your insurance adjuster, talk to your agronomist, talk to your seed dealer. But, you know, at least the one piece of good news in our area for the guys that have gotten hit hard is it's still early. 
And fortunately, the corn and soybean prices are really, really good. So I know several of the guys that had wheat in said, well, I guess it's not the end of the world because now I'm going to go plant some $6 corn or some $14 beans. So um, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so hopefully it all works out for everybody because, yeah, it's a, it, it's a bad deal when you get a late spring frost. All right, let's all right. get to the PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. First one comes from HP. He said, uh, you guys are talking about planting your seed deep. And I got thinking, I wonder how much farm ground those guys farm and what crops they're raising this year. Oh, so we farm about 3,200 crop acres. We are raising about roughly, let's call it 2,000 acres of corn, 1,000 acres of beans, and then a little over 100 acres of various test plots, research, all that kind of stuff. We've got a little bit of wheat in, or oh, let's see oats mainly this year. Um, I, I mean, in terms of other crops on, on just those few acres. But uh, yeah, it's mainly corn and soybeans. And we're certainly hoping for good yields this year, as everybody always is. But we plant it into great conditions. We have some subsoil moisture. Roots should be going deep because we don't have like excess moisture or anything. Now we just need some timely rains. And uh, <laughs> we, we like seeing the markets where they're at today. Hopefully it's going to be a great year. All right, thanks for the question. This one comes from Marty in North Carolina. He said, got a question for you on pre-emerged corn herbicides and liquid dairy manure. I'll be growing silage corn for a local dairy. I plan to use Verdict, tank mixed with Gramoxone for burn down and pre-emerge. And the dairy is going to be applying 8,000 gallons per acre of dairy manure yet this spring. So should I apply the Verdict Gramoxone before or after the dairy manure? Well, how is the dairy manure getting applied? Do they say that? No, he doesn't. So, Marty, let's let's just say they're going to till in that dairy manure. Then there's no point in the germoxone, and then you would want to do your verdict after that. Now, if they were just going to spray it over the top, well, number one, I, I don't feel very good about that if it's just sprayed over the top and not tilled in, because now we've got a crazy amount of phosphorus literally sitting on the soil surface at risk of loss. So, I, I, I mean, let's put it this way. I'd put the manure on, till it in, then I would put my verdict on and potentially till again. But what we worry about is if you're going to till deeper than about three or four inches, you could bury that verdict. So let's just say, for example, that you go, well, that's all I'm going to do is till three or four inches deep. Then fine, put the verdict on, put the manure on. But there's no point in having germoxone with it for a burn down if you're going to be out there doing tillage. I mean, unless some of these weeds are absolutely huge. All right. Thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that. Again, it's Farmer Friday on our show today. That means our phone lines are open throughout the show. If you want to talk about what's going on in your farm or ask an agronomic question, 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. 
When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System. Just better. With no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here from the Morton studio, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Kansas to start things off. We've got Jameson out with us right now. How's it going, Jameson? Not too bad. How's it going with you guys? Well, pretty good. I understand you got uh, a few questions for us. I do. Um, first one is, uh, and I know you guys have, I've, I'm still trying to catch up on a lot of episodes. Here, you guys get a lot of content, but uh, I know you've. Well, Brian gets windy, Jameson. We we should be able to do it in a lot <laughs> less episodes, but Brian likes to talk. <laughs> well, there you guys. There's a lot of that's a wealth of knowledge there, so it, it's it's pretty handy. Um, but no, I've um, my question is I um, dry land don't really have access to fresh water. Um, but we've got a hog farm, and I kind of know the answer to this first one, I'm guessing, but I've been looking at some studies, and what are you guys, what's your guys' take on pumping uh, top water out of a lagoon, you know, hog, sorry, onto a growing corn crop? <laughs> well, we would be very concerned about on top of it. Now, if there was some way that you could side dress it in, then I'm not as worried about it, but it's the salt content that's our our biggest fear there. There's just a lot of salt in manure, and we just worry about the damage that's going to be done. Now, I'm trying to think of if it was on the show. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, are you when you say salt content, are you are you most concerned about like a foliar burn, or do you think yep. if a guy can get it right down to the soil, uh, is it still a concern? It's less of a concern once it's reached the soil, but we're all um, we always have to worry about manure. We talk about that fairly often here on the show. You start getting over, let's call it five hundred pounds of salt on a per acre basis dry land and it, it can get it can get a little bit dicey and in a dry year even less than that three or four hundred pounds of total salt on a per acre basis that's it's starting to push it in and I'm talking in the soil it takes less for 
above ground foliar damage. Uh, now, as I'm saying all this, I think it was here on the show just a few weeks ago, Darren. Do you, do you remember we had somebody who said over emerged crop, they were still dragging a hose and they weren't having any issue with that. And I said, well, you just got to be really careful with it and do it super early because, uh, I mean, there is a stage with the corn, for example, that you can uh, basically run it over with that that hose that you're dragging and it's not the end of the world. But eventually the, the, mm-hmm. the stock starts to get brittle and then it's going to snap and then you got major issues. Yeah, I've seen uh, well, several studies where they side-dressed and drug the hose right over the crop yes, and yes. laid it down flat, and it'll stand back up. Yes, and yep. Some of them, they've got rigs where it'll spool out and lay it down the road so you're not dragging across it. Sure. Um, but um, I guess my question, if you had a pivot with drops or like kind of the drag lines on a pivot and you're putting it directly you know, down beneath the plant's canopy, um, but now, I guess, and then you know you're talking about salt and everything else that you know when it's well, dry for us in july august it's not going to act like fresh water is it you know i mean right and plant yeah and as you start talking about this pivot and putting stuff on it's all a matter of how diluted is everything that we're talking about here and then how quickly can salts get flushed through so for example we do work with some people who have pivots and then they run manure through but then they can also run water through to blend things down to wash the stuff off to i mean there are ways to do this but i'm just concerned when you say i don't have water and i want to put a bunch of manure right over the top of the crop foliar i i i just i worry about that a little bit it can be done it's just the rate has to be really low Sure. And I would only do, you know, if I could get it down below a canopy. Um, but I, you know, I've seen, I think Kansas state's done one and then maybe out West, I've seen a couple studies where they've put it on a growing crop and, you know, after a certain growth stage, corn tolerates it better and beans kind of do too. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess what I'm looking for is if it's, if that plant's already stressed, we're in July, August, we don't have fresh water. Yep. Is this, is this going to make things worse? Yes. If it's not going to help my case, I don't want to do it. You That's know? right. Uh, if if your crop is under stress and it's hot and dry, yes, it's going to make it worse. Salt is always worse when it's dry and hot. And here's the other thing. You know, when we look at the crop prices this year, um, if you lose a few bushels in a normal year, I mean, yep, it stinks. But if you lose a few bushels this year, you're going to go, whoa, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a lot of money. So let's put it this way. I would experiment, but I'd experiment on a pretty small scale. And he, here's sure. one other thing. And this is something that our dad told both Darren and me when we were very young agronomists. And he just said, look, it's not that big a deal if as an agronomist you make a recommendation and you miss a few weeds or something like that. No no big thing. You can go clean it up. But he said if you ever have a recommendation where it hurts somebody's crop, whether it's because of carryover or just crop injury from the spraying, that's a major deal. And that's the category that I'd put this in here. I mean, it's it's a it's a real issue if you cause injury to a crop this particular year. So just be careful with that. But yeah, it's the the dose always makes the poison. So keep that dose down. <laughs> and that's kind of the the drift I was getting. The studies I've read, you know, it, it kind of became more apparent that. Um, 
you know, it's we're irrigating less for a benefit of the crop and more of we need free board in the lagoons and can we get that, away with pumping it on the crop? That's exactly know? right. I agree with you 100%. So we get manure every year from a couple of different dairies and I love working with them, but would I want to put that over the top of my crop? No, thank you. Sure. So then that brings up my next question. I, uh, I've kind of recently, you know, got to strip killing. Um, and if a guy were to take a, a tank and put a strip till bar on the back of that yep. and put it on in the fall, yep. um, for my size setup, uh, I, I'm kind of, you know, trying to weigh, how worried do you guys get with compaction on those tanks versus pulling a drag line, you know? Well, it depends a lot on what your weather conditions are. For us, we're usually pretty dry in the fall. I don't have that big an issue pulling tanks. I don't love it. I would much, much prefer to drag hoses. So even even for us, there's a big dairy that's um, uh, basically the dairy next to us is expanding like 10 times bigger than it used to be. Okay, And I'm willing uh-huh. to spend a little bit of money to put permanent pipe in or whatever we have to do so we can pump the manure quite a ways away as opposed to having tankers out in my field. But we've done the tanker thing before. It can work. It's fine. I'll just say too, we have done strip till where with manure and we, so this is going back quite a few years now, but we did 6,000, 8,000 and 10,000 gallons right in the strip. And we were clear down to 20 inches deep with the deepest, but our yield was best at 6,000 gallons of dairy manure. We went up to eight. It wasn't a lot of difference. It was fine, but it was maybe just slightly less, but we got up to 10,000 and our yield did take a little bit of a hit. The point is here again, you got a lot of salt and now you haven't spread it out through the soil you've put it into the row mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah yeah you've got that salt concentrated right where you're <laughs> right where your plant um, is yep yep now when you guys do that would you come back in the recommend coming back in the spring and freshening those strips or you Don't know depending upon your yeah, manure I, content to correct it with some commercial fertilizer or, you know. Oh, oh, um, okay, well, that's, I guess it's kind of two different questions. Number one, mm-hmm. I, I, I am... I don't care about uh, freshening it up in the spring. Usually it's not a big deal. So it's not like we have to do that. We've done that a couple of times. It's fine either way. Uh, I mean, the ground will be a little bit warmer if you do that. Maybe the the tilth will be a little bit better, whatever, but it's no big deal. Um, But in terms of supplementing with commercial fertilizer, we're always going to tell everybody who uses manure, please test your manure because it's very common when the manure is short in something. And I I realize you might say, well, it's free and I love that. And I get that, believe me, but I want you to maximize yield. And sometimes we've got to spend a little money to maximize yield and maximize our profits. So on our farm, we have to supplement the dairy manure with a little bit of phosphorus. Um, I I know there's one farmer we worked with, a lot of beef manure he'd used over the years, and he had to supplement with manganese and it, it just exploded his yields. I mean, it was great for him. So just take a look at that and kind of go from there. Hey, uh, Jameson, thanks for the call today. Really appreciate it and good luck to you down there. Yep, thank you. You bet. Thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on. 
to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you would like to call in, if you want to talk about what's happening on your farm or, or shoot an agronomic question our way, We've got Josh on with us right now out in Oregon. Josh, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. What's happening on your farm? Oh, we are, um, myself and a lot of farmers in our area, we're struggling. We just don't have the water this year. I live in Jackson County um, in southern Oregon, and um, we, I'm a dryland farmer, and we are all, most of the alfalfa that we planted in the spring, nothing's growing. Um, our teff, nothing's growing. And the boys over in Klamath, they've all, they're getting 8% of their irrigation water this year. So we've really been struggling with the water this year, but um, it's it's going to increase hay prices. Yeah, yeah no, kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Okay, so talk to me about the established alfalfa then. Have you been able to take a cutting yet? Is, are the roots getting down deep enough to get into some moisture? 
It, it is. And um, we have a five-year-old stand. Um, this was going to be our last year on it. So I'm, I'm, um, we're, it's looking pretty good. We got our spray on um, and uh, our fertilizer. We got a lot of fertilizer still sitting on the on top of the ground um, just because it's that time of the year when you get an opportunity to put your fertilizer on. We do it in dry application and um, and we didn't get any water afterwards. But the alfalfa is looking pretty good for our established stands. Um, and it, it's, I think we'll get a decent yield off of it for being an older stand. Um, it's just a lot of all of our new stuff is not, it's not taken off. It's not doing anything. I was really hoping with the TEF this year that we would do, that we'd be okay with it. It, it needs a real small amount of water, but, um, we haven't got that. We haven't got that far yet. We yeah, it still it still needs some water. <laughs> That's we were just talking about it here. And Brad said, you know, because I was complaining over the break that we were dry, and I we were just really happy that the corn price is up. But but we said, man, we got to produce some bushels to even be able to collect that, and we need a little yeah. moisture to get that going. And Brad said, you know, one really good rain here, and we're we're going to be in a good spot. And I agree with him because we've got some heavy soils here, and it's typically not super hot in South Dakota especially early in the season but but man you still need some rain yeah we're at the we're in the 80s already um the barley uh we have uh, hoodie barley and triticale planted from last fall um it's in the boot um this week so we're gonna cut um on monday um and it's only shin to knee high so our tonnage is going to be extremely low um, so we got to try to maximize uh, our quality um, on what little we do have. So, you know, typically we like to cut that in the dough stage. And um, it's just, man, you peel the, the heads back on it and there's like the seeds are dry. Um, there's not a lot of moisture in it. And it is what it is. Like, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, a lot of other farmers were pretty resilient, right? Um, I'm a first generation um fairly new farmer so i got a lot a lot of learning to do and this is the first time i really just got my butt kicked this year so uh, <clears throat> excuse me it is what it is but we'll, we'll get through it we'll get through it we'll be all right well, i like the optimism there and and yes if uh if you manage to uh, stick around so you can farm another year <laughs> it will get better it doesn't always end up like this but i know a lot of the areas we're we're just hearing are uh, in the last 100, 120 years, it's one of the driest years in many areas. And like you mentioned, without some snow in the mountains to try to replenish some things, it's it, it doesn't look good. We're going to really be reliant on the rain to come. We are. We have the snow in the mountains. It's just the irrigation. There's um, In our area, there's a pretty limited irrigation. People, a lot of folks don't get irrigation rights. So there's a lot of dry land farming where we are, and it just we need the rain in the spring or spring rains to get everything going. So um, I kind of uh, am giving guys a hard time because I I wanted to plant my alfalfa in the fall last year because um, we don't have real cold soils, and they said no, 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 it's going to be too wet, you know, and you're going to have to deal with disease, you know, wait till the spring. And so now I'm looking at them with my hands up, going. So is this how it normally works? Phil? <laughs> <laughs> yep. This this was the one out of ten years that it would have been the better option, but I know it's yeah. it's tough. It's kind of like our marketing program. It's always tough to know. You get a decent price, okay, that's good, but man, you always could have gotten better. You never hit it right on the high. We're talking with Josh. Yeah, I asked the, 
Oh, I was going to say, we're talking to Josh out in Southern Oregon. Sounds like Josh is extremely dry. Josh, good luck. Hopefully you guys catch some rain here soon. And if you do, send some our way too. I will, well, they said if I cut, then it's going to rain. So I told all the boys I'm going to cut on Monday. <laughs> Absolutely. But that means they got to share their hay with me when I cut because I ain't going to have <laughs> Somebody has to be the sacrificial lamb. Well, good luck to you, Josh. We really appreciate it. Uh, let's head over to Iowa. We've got Earl on with us right now. Earl, how's it going? Well, it sounds like I'm just like everybody else. I'm drier than dry. So. All right. Now, we've got some rain heading your way. It looks like there's a chance anyway tomorrow. Are they talking rain in your in your particular part of Iowa? Well, you know, I've got so I don't believe them because we seem to be in a donut hole and it just kind of goes either north or southeast of us. So. Yeah, it's We're still it's, in that D three drought area. Yeah, it's really surprising. A lot of our listeners are how dry some of these areas are in Iowa, and we we've gotten a number of questions. Man, is this just extremely unusual? Because I don't remember ever hearing Iowa being in this kind of drought, but it's been this way for a little while now. How often do you see this, Earl? Is it a one in twenty, one in thirty year deal? <laughs> well, I'm seventy four, and I've never seen it this dry. Wow! I went through twenty twelve. Um, you know, average conventional corn in my area was 120 in 2012. Our organic corn made 140, you know, and we were happy. It was almost a home run. Sure. But uh, this is um, scary. I, I've already have cricks dry. I've got 250 cows that are going to be out of pasture here shortly. That's what I was going to ask. The next question is, what's happening with the livestock? Uh, is there hay to be bought around you, or or is it is it really dire? Um, if you want to buy hay, you can go clear into southern Iowa where they're getting rain or in northern Missouri, and that's where we got hay last year. Um, I don't know of anybody with hay to sell now. Wow. That is that is of inequality. Yeah, it's it's something, and and like you mentioned, you're in a D three area of drought, and that's that's pretty harsh. Uh, so, how about planting? What what's happened right around you? Did you guys put put things in dry dirt, and are just hoping to catch some rain? You know, um, I would say eighty percent of the crops are in around me. Uh, being organic, we wait till they're done, and then we plant because of the pollen transfer. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, we're actually, we just started planting today. We're planting beans today, and then uh, we'll go into corn. Um, and a lot of conventional corn is poking through the ground now, but that surface moisture is all they have. They have nothing down below. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. But hopefully this weekend you do catch it. I, I know what you say, Earl. It's hard to believe because it keeps missing you. But <laughs> but hopefully this is the one. Good luck. Uh, Earl, stay in touch. Yeah. We want to hear how things turn out for you this year. Okie dokie. Well, right. appreciate the call. You bet. Thank you. All right, Brian, got a question. This is from Rahul. He said, I'm in India, and I hear you guys talking about protecting your soybean seeds. Got a couple of questions for you. You talk about using multiple fungicides on the soybean seed. Will that hurt my germination if that sits on my seed too long? And no. the second thing is, which diseases are you concerned about protecting against? Pythium, Phytophthora, Rhizoctonia would be the diseases. And, and fusarium. As I, yeah, and fusarium. And as I say, no... That's if you put a labeled fungicide on at a labeled rate evenly across the seed. 
So if you get way too much product on or you put a product on that's not labeled or something like that, then yes, it's very possible to hurt the germination then. But we do put multiple fungicides on our soybeans. have been doing it for many years. We have fantastic germination. It really helps protect that seed because we plant into very cold conditions. And for you, when I think about India in general, I was there a couple of years ago, I think of, and I don't know what your area is in particular because it's, India is obviously a huge country, but I do think about humidity. And when we have more moisture, then there's going to be more likelihood of disease. So if you've had disease in the past and you're trying to prevent it, it's nice having multiple fungicides to prevent resistance and broaden the, spec- broaden the disease spectrum a little bit. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5 8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here in the Morton studio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, been talking about uh, growers in different parts of the country. We've got Darren with us now up in North Dakota. Darren, how are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. How's planting rolling along for you guys? Um, well, we're doing things a little bit different on our farm this year. Uh, we are planting soybeans first. And, um, oh, I'd say about after today we'll be, oh, a, l- a little over a third done with beans. And then we'll start corn next week after it warms back up a little bit. All right. So planting soybeans first, hearing a lot about that this year and planting corn later. The challenge is you're in North Dakota and already in <laughs> Southern North Dakota, you're talking 85 day corn. How far are you back in maturities off for later planted corn? You know, we generally spread out our maturities from about 84 to 92 day. And um, we're not really going to change um, our maturities yet and not until we get to probably the 20th of may and i i I would as long as the weather holds we'll we'll be done by uh oh this time next week so i'm i'm not too terribly worried about the maturity all right so so that's the the one thing that the one advantage we've got now is man can we stick seed in the ground quickly uh what are soil conditions like are conditions good right now you know um we haven't got very much rain at all this year. Um, just to the east of us, even 20, 30 miles, they've gotten probably double what we've gotten. And surprisingly, uh, the soil conditions are, are uh, surprisingly good. Um, I'm planting um, beans in the corn stalks that were chiseled once last year and field cultivated just yesterday. And, um, and I'm, I'm planting in the moisture, no problem. I, I wouldn't call it like, great moisture but it's, it, it'll get the seed off to a good start and um, without any issues um, we planted our, our spring wheat oh boy almost a month ago finished up on the 11th and that was really dry the topsoil was really powdery and uh, luckily we got um, some rain right after we finished seeding most of our spring wheat um, but uh, we've only gotten maybe oh eight tenths since the middle of March and uh, but with our cool weather uh, we haven't had a lot of evaporation that's, that's really helped the, the, the situation a lot. Hey Darren uh, as you were talking to my brother Darren I was looking yep. up on the Midwest <laughs> Regional Climate Center uh, website I love that thing I use it all the time for uh, for hybrid recommendations and planted today where you're at I know where you are in North Dakota 92 day corn has about a 30 percent chance of black layering before frost uh, 80 yep. you know if I go to May 20th planting uh, 92 day corn has a zero percent chance of making it according to this and 84 day corn yep. has about a 70 percent chance of making it so where Darren was going you know when we when you start planting just a little bit later, I'm I'm a big believer in at least taking a look at the data because it's great for, you know, just zeroing in this Midwest Regional Climate Center uh, website. And they've got all the past data from the last 30 years, when your frosts have been, and then you can just plug in, hey, what's my plant 
date, what's my maturity, and it will it will show you how that looks. So anyway, our advice would just be probably start back. I'd start backing down today, to be honest. So, but that's just me, and I I'm I, well, I'm conservative, but keep in mind I ran our grain dryers for 20 years on our farm. My dad burned oh, yeah. up one of our grain dryers about the year or two before I started running them, and so I have firsthand knowledge of grain dryer fires and trying to dry 38 percent moisture corn and it's not a whole lot of fun <laughs> yeah no it's not and and uh we only plant about 20 to 25 percent of our um varieties or hybrids to uh, more than 90 day sure uh, everything else is 89 to 84 so we do try to limit um our uh our hybrid length but then i, I also make the argument on the planting date so if, if a guy planted corn on Sunday up here and I plant my start, I start planting corn next week on Tuesday, I'm, I'm only going to be behind about 20 heat units for that whole stretch of time. Cause like the high today is like 54 or 55. Yep. And so it's like, well, he might've planted nine days earlier, but, um, he didn't really gain a whole lot in, in a heat unit. So I'm, I'll put it this way. If I do plant my 92 day and it, and it fails, the guys that are planting right now aren't going to be a whole lot better shape than I am. So, yeah, no, I, I know. Well, it, it's, we'll, we'll all be in misery together. But yeah, no, yeah. I, I get your point. You're right. Yeah. And uh, that's why we do spread all our maturities quite a bit. And, and, and we've, we've been tending to go closer to the 84, 85, 88 day corn rather than the upper or low 90s just because of the very situation that you just brought up. Like, your odds aren't that good to have that corn mature all the time. No, 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 exactly. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, as yep. far north as you are, if you want to get to a 100, according to, you know, the past data, virtually a 100% chance, you'd have to be down to a 79-day corn. So, oh, and I yeah. get I don't it. Know, I don't know anyone in our area that does that. I, I know, but I'm just saying that there, that, <laughs> that, well, that's just what the stats and the odds show. And, you know, I realize yeah. why a lot of people want to plant, even the difference for yield, you look at an 84 day corn versus a 79, you got a lot better chance for yield at 84. So anyway, oh, I, sure. I just, I just yeah. like throwing the, that, that out there. I try to be <laughs> conservative and I just try to, the yeah. farmers I work with, I just want them to be realistic in terms of maturities when we start getting later. Because, yeah, and uh, today doesn't worry me nearly as much as you mentioned May 20th, if you do end up planting that late. That's, you know, we're, we're starting to get pretty late now when you're way up in North Dakota. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it is. And uh, we planted late and, and it's it's worked out. But then in 19, we planted late and it was absolutely a train wreck. So uh, yep. I, I hear you loud and clear. Well, hey, uh, Darren, good luck with everything this spring and uh, hope it all turns out great for you. Um, I, I, I know that for a lot of people in North Dakota, they're praying for some rain right now. And uh, I always say, well, hey, let's get the planting done and then it can start raining. So the day after you finish That's planting, great. hopefully it starts raining and everybody gets uh, everything they need. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks, Darren. Hey, thanks, guys. All right, let's head down to Georgia. Uh, here's another farmer that's not going to be planting 79-day corn. It's Stacy. How are you doing, Stacy? <laughs> I'm doing great. What do you think of that you? discussion? Is that is that something you're concerned wow. of there? No, I'm telling you. Wow, my hat's off to him. Uh, <laughs> thoughts and prayers with him. Well, you know, yeah, you think about double cropping in your corn. state. Yeah. 
I think about oh, yeah. the maturities in double cropping for you, that the options that you've got with so much more growing season. Gosh, Darren's slugging it out up there planting, and it's 54 yeah. degrees air temperature, uh, something you normally don't have to face down there. Not normally, but this season we've been abnormally cool down in this area. Uh, you know, we're looking at highs in the upper 60s, low 70s now, and lows wow. around 50. And so, you know, that's slowing down our corn as it's not coming out of the ground reaching for the skies much as we'd like to be seeing. But, uh, you know, we're pretty good, moisture-wise and everything. Yeah, it's been been kind of up and down. We've been talking to folks down in your neck of the woods here throughout the spring, and it's it was pretty darn wet there for quite a while. Now now things are straightening out a little bit. Now you just need a little sunshine. Yeah, we just got about four and a half inches of rain about three days ago, and uh, you know by I think Monday and Tuesday we got another chance of a front coming through, bringing maybe another inch or so of rain. So. Uh, but you know, we've got great moisture. It's just a matter of, uh, getting everything in between those. We've pretty much finished up the corn and, uh, we saw some corn go in, in the middle of March and then we had a horrible freeze like the 16th of April and, uh, you know, kind of set us back on a few things. Yeah, it's everybody thinks that it's just going to be so easy for you down in Georgia. I know you're going to get hot later, but uh, you know, getting that crop off to a start is sometimes a challenge. I, I I know what you're talking about. That that frost really surprised a lot of folks, and uh, as people yeah. have crept those planting dates earlier and earlier, uh, there there might be a reason why why that hadn't been done a whole lot in the past. Uh, hey, Stacy, we got to run, but thank you so much. Really appreciate a chance to talk to you, and good luck here. Hopefully, things warm up soon for you. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and we'll be right back after this. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at Pentair.com slash Hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed to soil contact. Order yours at FarmShopMFG.com. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics, 
with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio getting a number of questions in. This one comes in from Linda. Linda says, how much inoculant should be put on each unit of soybeans? That's a great question, Linda. And there are a lot of different inoculant products out there. Most of the liquids are being used at an ounce or two per 100 pounds of seed. And the target is around a million rhizobia bacteria per seed. Now, that varies a little bit. I know we had Del Voigt on with Penn State earlier this week, and Del says 800,000 per seed. Uh, a lot of folks will say, well, a minimum is at least 100,000 rhizobia per seed. I guess the big thing is if you're putting rhizobia bacteria on the seed, just to try and get it in the ground as soon as you can, you get the most impact out of it because there will be some mortality the longer that it sits on the seed and is not in the ground. Thanks for the question. We do think using inoculant is an important thing in soybeans. It's cheap and it's pretty effective helping the beans get more nitrogen, which they need to yield a lot. All right. Get this one from Christo who says, what do I need to do to have a healthy soil for my nice lawn that I desire? What should I check for? Uh, what would be the steps you would recommend? Well, the first thing that we would say, what do you need to do to have a healthy soil? You need to pull a soil sample. And depending on how big your yard is, let's just say your yard is really small and it's only 10 foot by 10 foot. That's easy. Just pull one sample. So what you do is put a probe in the ground or or just even take a non-rusty shovel and dig up the top six inches of soil. You need about a quart, so it isn't like a huge amount. When we use a soil probe, we'll, we would take about eight cores, so it's a tube that's maybe a one-inch diameter tube that we'd push in six inches and, and take about eight cores. Now, some folks will say, well, you really only need to sample the top four inches for a lawn. That's fine. Either four or six, just let the lab know which one you pulled. Send that in. Look at what the nutrient content is of your soil and then adjust accordingly. And the lab can make some recommendations to you as to which nutrients you're short in, which ones you're high in, and so forth. And, and you can add accordingly. That would be a great way to start. The fertility is a big deal. And when you think about that lawn management throughout the season, when you're watering, one of the things that you want to do is water heavy and less frequently. 
we see commonly a big mistake in lawns is people are watering very lightly and watering often. That doesn't get the water down deeper, very deep in the soil so the roots stay shallow and it, it's not good for the health of the lawn. The next thing is cut the grass a little higher. This allows that grass to shade out and choke out the weeds in your lawn and then you're just walking on nice blades of grass instead of weeds popping up all over. Uh, just a number of things that you can do to have a great lawn, uh, but those are a few to help you get started. Thanks, Christo. We appreciate the question. All right, Brian, uh, get this one in from... Brandon, and he said there are some fertilizers out there saying you can use lower rates and it will be equivalent to putting on more pounds of, say, dry fertilizer, for example. Uh, one example, there's a fertilizer company saying use our liquid product. You're really only going to get three pounds of actual P205 per gallon, but it's equivalent to about 12 pounds of P205 going out there in a dry form. How does that work? Well, Brandon, we've we've used a lot of different products on the farm. We've we've heard a lot of the claims too, and there are some products that actually do a pretty nice job. What we found is there's a couple things going on. First of all, when they've got the form of that P two O five in a in in a protected ability, so it it doesn't get tied up in the soil and it gets into the plant, that is beneficial. I know there's a product we use called Pro Germinator, which is it's just a 924.3, but it's different than the other lookalikes on the market because it's got a long chain uh, lignin around it that breaks down slowly and releases some of that phosphorus slowly over time. And we've seen an extended release in our crops. We've done a lot of trial work on that one on very low phosphorus fertility ground just to see if it can work. And it has. It's been good. Now, that said, if you want to build up the parts per million in your soil, so you have a soil test that says you've got a lot of phosphorus out there, absolutely it's going to be cheaper to use some of the dry products uh, like a MAP or DAP to try to build up phosphorus long term or to use manure or compost, some of those kinds of things. I think that's great. But if you said, I have to get phosphorus into my crop this year and I want to make use of the fertilizer that I'm putting out there. I don't care about building my soil up. I just want to feed this crop. Uh, then I'd pick one of these highly available fertility products that is going to get it in into the plant rather than just building up in the soil. Uh, oh, and the other thing you can do too is band. This is another thing that really helps greatly improve your root system's chance of coming in contact with those nutrients. So, yes, I'd use a highly available liquid like that and band it. That would be your best shot. I guess I was just going to throw in with dry products, especially in a dry year like this one, at least in our region, a lot of that dry isn't even going to come available for your plant till next year, potentially. So the liquid is going to be available right now. And to Darren's point, yeah, if you were to band and you run liquid, you've got a lot greater chance that that fertility is going to get into the plant. So part of this comes down to short-term versus long-term, but we do like liquid products, and there are some good ones out there. Okay, Brian, next question comes from George in Bulgaria. I'm just going to hand you the question because he's got a bunch of detail in here about his herbicide program for corn. Conventional corn in Bulgaria. He's been using Outlook and Dual Gold. I don't remember what the gold part was, but anyway, uh, we'll just say Dual. <laughs> Last year, he says he used a post-herbicide full rate of Equip, and 
we used to have Equip here. Oh, this is probably 20, 25 years ago. I remember Equip. Uh, 4M Sulfuron. So it's an ALS herbicide. And then Half Rate Laudus is what he ran last year. So ALS and HPPD. Uh, this year he wants to improve the program, and he's got some options, and he just said, all right, what do you think of these? Uh, Mesotrione, so HPPD, that's Callisto, uh, plus Equip at stage V4. He could run separate Mesotrione first, then run Equip a little bit later. He could run Mesotrione plus Accent, uh, uh, so that's, uh, that's a grass killer. Uh, number four, he could run Caprino, that's Laudus and Varro, so again, your HPPD and ALS herbicide, or he could keep his previous year's program. Okay, so George, here's the one thing that I'm missing that I have to have before I can even start talking about recommendations. I don't even know, know what you're trying to control. So I'd like to know what you're trying to control, and if you tell us that, then I can probably help you a lot better than I can right here. I'll give you a couple of comments on your suggestion, suggested programs, though, in just one second. He does also mention, uh, I don't know how you say it, Illumis. Uh, it's a combination of Callisto and Accent. So he mentioned earlier Mesotrione plus Accent Q. Well, the, the, apparently there is a premix that can be used also in his country. Uh, okay, so... First of all, I, I would just say with the ALS herbicides, we have a lot of ALS-resistant weeds here in the United States. So that's the reason why we don't typically recommend a lot of ALS herbicides, at least in our region. I like the HPPDs, whether it's mesotrione or Laudus. I don't really care that much. It's not that big a deal. I don't see that much difference. Some people are going to tell you that Laudus is a little bit better on grass, but it's it's just there's just not a big difference. So basically what I'm saying here is you don't have, I mean, in every program you've got, you got an HPPD and an ALS. So it just really depends on the weeds that you're after. Accent's going to be by far better than Equip or you know, any of the HPPDs, certainly, and potentially even Varro, in terms of burning down grass. So I like that, potentially, but I don't know what, what all you're trying to control here. Uh, anyway, he does say he's concerned also about, after his conventional corn, he's going to have no-till winter wheat, and he's just worried about is... Uh, he only has 20 inches of annual precip. Is there going to be a carryover issue? Um, yeah, there is going to be a little bit of a carryover issue. The odds are high that there's going to be a little bit of HPPD left. Now, it's not that big a deal for winter wheat typically. So a tiny, tiny little bit of HPPD is not going to absolutely destroy your winter wheat. But yeah, anytime you're in a drier area, your precip is similar to ours. And right after corn, am I going to go out there and seed winter wheat? Typically, we don't do that here. But if I did, I would really think hard about my herbicide choices. I love the HPPDs because they have good residual and uh, and they're cheap. But this is also some of the times why we'll cut back on HPPD and use a little bit of dicamba or status because that has a much shorter uh, window in terms of planning something else. Thanks for that question. And thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.